This is an ABC podcast. ABC Radio Australia. This is Fresh Off the Field. The sporting spirit of the Pacific. Come the Maori and welcome to Fresh Off the Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific. My name is Bobby McCumber. I'm an Ikitabas Australian woman and I absolutely love my sport. Now, each week I'll be joined by two co-hosts from across the Pacific, sharing sports stories and exclusive interviews on the ground in the islands. Today, from the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, I have Indra Singh. Bula, Indra. Bula, Bula, Bobby. How are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. And from Honiara, I have breakfast radio host and reporter for the Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation, Cynthia Seda. Hello, Cynthia. Hello, Bobby. Uh, thank you, everyone. It's so great um, having me on the show. <laughs> now, Indra, just quickly, the Rugby World Cup kicks off in a couple of days. I see the coach of Wales, Warren Gatlin, has labelled the flying Fijians as dangerous should he be scared of their opening match. Oh, most definitely, Bobby. I think they are scared because Fiji is now the world number seven, but more so than before, Fiji is being touted as one of the favourites to come out of this pool for the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals. But then again, mind games are part and parcel of, uh, you know, World Cups. So he's, I think he'll be pretty happy to put all the focus on Fiji and let Wales do what they do is just play rugby on the field. But of course, all the pundits, rugby pundits and people around who have been very well versed with the Rugby World Cups are tipping Fiji to upset Wales in this one. Yes, and we'll be talking about the Rugby World Cup a little bit more later as well. Cynthia, uh, the Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation has been granted exclusive rights to provide live radio coverage of the Pacific Games. How big is that news for your workplace? Thanks, Bobby. We are so privileged and honoured indeed to have this right given to us. It's a very big story for all of the staff here in SIBC, as in the country with the only radio now that um, has the only right, has the right to broadcast the games. And, you know, we have 5,000 villages that we um, obligated to give them games and cover the games for them. So we feel so proud and honoured to have this privilege given to us. Oh, wow. 5,000 villages all receiving uh, your broadcasting. That's fantastic. Uh, Coming up on the show, Indra and Cynthia will cover sports in Fiji and the Solomons. I'll chat with the first Samoan to play in the AFLW competition. We'll talk about all the exciting things happening in sport across the entire Pacific region, including some great community programs in Samoa. And once again, we'll play a fun little game so that you at home can get to know our co-host and myself just a little bit more. Uh, but first, some news came out that the Under-16s AFL Youth Oceania Cup is back for the first time since 2019. And for the first time, there will be both boys and and girls team. So I love to see it. Obviously, we've had the boys team in the past, but this time we've got the women's team as well. So we'll see both the girls and boys running out playing in AFL, which is, of course, Australian Football League. It's Australian football. Uh, the game's being played at Albert Park in Suva. They'll be going from the 4th to the 9th of December. Now, I lived in Suva for a few months and what I recall from Albert Park, it's located just metres from the sea, uh, but the park is actually just below sea level. So whenever there was a downpour, it was pretty much Albert Park swimming pool. Indra, I have to ask you, has it changed? It's been over 10 years since I lived in Suva or is it the same? Oh, well, the Albert Park that I believe you knew about is long gone. You know, I don't know if you were here when the grandstand was on the... uh 
well, if you looked from across the hotels on the left, now the grandstands on the right, ah. and they've really done up the whole uh, pitch. And it's not given to any sports to play on each week in, week out. So it's been really well maintained. And, um, you know, Albert Parks, it's, 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 it's been used by super rugby teams, by national footballing rugby teams for training, etc. So that should give you a fair idea of what it's like now. Oh, it sounds like I need to get back to Suva and check out the facilities again. Uh, so playing at Albert Park, the teams competing will be Papua New Guinea, uh, Vanuatu, Nauru, Tonga and New Zealand, which draws me to my next guest who played a few different sports before she found her way to AFL. Fresh off the field. The Sporting Pulse of the Pacific. ABC Radio Australia. Born in Samoa and growing up in New Zealand, Valmoor Lalawifi hadn't even heard of the sport known as AFL when her family first moved to Australia in 2009. Known as Moor to her friends, she grew up playing volleyball and basketball. At the age of 26, Moor became the first Samoan-born player to play in the AFLW. The Carlton Football Club defender joins me now, Marlo Moor. Hello for Bobby. How are you? <laughs> Very well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hey, we're going to kick things off with a segment called Fast Feet to the Drum Beat. So you will have 60 seconds to answer 10 questions. Uh, how do you perform under pressure, Moa? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Pretty uh, confident too. That's, that's, yeah. yeah, good. Can tell. Great. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll get my, <laughs> I'll get my stop clock going. We'll get these drums going. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to kick this off. You ready to go? Ready, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Fast feet to the drum beat. What did you have for breakfast? Uh, banana. Favourite song? <laughs> Say my name by Destiny's Child. Mmm, corned beef or spam? Corned beef. Good choice. Rice or taro? <laughs> Rice. Mm-hmm. Apart from Samoa, what other Pacific island would you live in? Fiji. Ah, oh, yes. Fish or pig? Oh, fish. <laughs> League or union? <laughs> union. What is a delicacy in Samoa? Talo. Uh, Talo. What's that? Um, it's like taro. Oh. It, but we pronounce it galo. Oh, okay. So I got that wrong. Or, okay. Yeah. Or, or ava, like uh, kava. Ah, uh, okay. Nice. Uh, next question. Coconut water or kava? Coconut water. Yeah, I thought you would be. Uh, are you a better singer or dancer? Oh, I'm a dancer. You are. I can confirm <laughs> you are not a singer at all. You absolutely <laughs> are a dancer. Oh, that was good. That was bang on 60 seconds. So well oh. done. Well done, Mua. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you okay, know. Pretty good. I'm pretty good. Now, Mua, you are you have four siblings. You've got two brothers and two sisters. Are you yeah. the most talented sports person in your family? By far. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I tell you, the confidence is not lost with you. Hey, but you do have some talented sports people in your family. Do you want to tell us about uh, one of your brothers who plays some super rugby? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I guess he wasn't far off, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so Junior, um, we grew up as a rugby family, uh, especially being Pacific Islanders. So, um, yeah, we moved to Australia because um, he had the opportunity to try out for Australian Sevens. Um, not too sure how he got picked up, but um, I, I, I guess um, some videos went through to YouTube and <laughs> um, he was spotted. But, um, 
yeah, and then he was fortunate enough to to get selected in that team and then had the opportunity to play for Queensland Reds in the Super Rugby. So, um, yeah, he, he was all right. But um, <laughs> I think I think I was his um, main, um, I, I would say, role model. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really? Up, so, or are you, yeah. are you joking down? No, I, no, I think I had a little bit to do with, the, oh, that's um, nice. with his pathway because I was um, – I was what you call the the sacrifice sheep because um, I would I, I would be the one to uh, stand there while my dad said, "All right, practice your tackling." And, um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I I guess I should take some credit. <laughs> so you took all the tackling. Have you ever yeah. wanted to play rugby yourself? No, no. no. <laughs> Is it because of the tackling that your brother did? <laughs> I was traumatized. Um, <laughs> So, no, I I loved it. Like, I, I love rugby, but I was never passionate about playing. Um, I think because of the tackling, but also um, they're just built different, these, um, these rugby players. Um, no necks. Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, how do you avoid tackles in AFLW then? Get rid of the ball. Um <laughs> <laughs> Just give it to someone else. <laughs> no, um, well, the tackling comes from anywhere. So um, if you're a bit quicker to get rid of it um, and give it to someone in a better position not to get tackled, uh, I think you're fine. Mm. How did you get involved in AFL initially? Um, I worked at Victoria University at the time. My boss, Rowena Young, at the time, she uh, she was coaching in Turak for Old Zavs and um, she asked me about or oh, plenty of times uh, to fill in for a team and um, I had no idea what it was. Um, <laughs> at the time, I was also playing basketball, so I didn't really uh, have a lot of time, but there was one weekend where we had off and she asked me and I couldn't, I couldn't say no, but it was <laughs> my birthday weekend. And, um, and she had asked, and I was like, oh, no, I feel like my job was on the line. So I said yes. <laughs> I need, I still needed a job, so I was like, oh, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, and then, yeah, I made a trip and um, got to play with these um, very friendly, uh, like, teammates because I had no idea what I was doing, but they were just, like, cheering me on. Aww. I had no idea. I was like, there's about... 30 of them, and, I, and and here's me just, like, running around with this ball, not knowing why I couldn't kick a goal. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so that was my first time. And then um, I guess from there, played one game and then um, saw the opportunity to try out at the VFL level with the Collingwood uh, Football Club. What are some of the major differences that you've noticed growing up playing basketball and volleyball your whole life to now playing AFLW? Um, I, I didn't realise that I was, you know, somewhat okay at this sport. But I guess <laughs> You're very good, Moa, I will say. <laughs> but I, I guess there's the tackling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the contact. <laughs> um, obviously in volleyball, you're behind, you know, and you're on the side of the net. In basketball, you get called a foul. In football, you get hit when you don't have the ball. So... <laughs> Um, (laughs) yeah because there's only a a few umpires and they can't see everything Um, (laughs) but yeah I I guess it's the physicality of the sport yeah Mm. (laughs)
Uh, so you are the first Samoan player in the history of the AFLW. How does it feel? Strange, really. I mm. I thought there would be more. Um, I thought there'd more be uh, there'd be more Pacific Islanders, but also feeling uh, privileged, I guess, to to be um, one of the first ones to to be on the big stage. And hopefully, um, through my pathway, uh, we can see a bit uh, a few more Islanders, especially female Islanders, to to have a go at AFL footy. You're now a multicultural ambassador for the AFL. How do young Pacific Islanders react when they see you come into their schools for footy clinics or talks? Oh, they're like, sis! <laughs> <laughs> sis! <laughs> Love it. Sis, how are you? Um, <laughs> oh, that's really cool. It's it's so beautiful. But at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> I just start laughing because I'm like, yes, this is my people, you know? Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, like I said, like it's a it's a privilege to, to be in a like a, a position like myself to, to be a role model to them. So when I do go out to these schools, um, I get really excited because um, I know that when I was young, um, if, if I had someone that was a Pacific Islander that came to our school and, and who I looked up to, um, it would be a pretty special feeling. So, yeah, yeah, I'm very, very grateful for, um, I guess, my platform. How have your family reacted to your AFLW career? Have they seen you play? Uh, yes, every game. Oh, really? It. So yes, uh, they they don't travel, but um, they they do watch it and they'll call me maybe three hours before the game because I don't answer the phone now before. <laughs> so uh, no, but I'm quite lucky to have a very supportive parents. Mum, mum especially didn't re- didn't really understand what it was or why I I. I I'm playing because it's uh, physical and um, and it's an outdoor sport in summer, so at the time. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, they never miss a game. So yeah, I'm pretty fortunate that they're in my corner. Have they got Valmua Lullawiffy badges with your face on it? <laughs> no, because Rachel has taken all of them. <laughs> <laughs> she bought them all, did she? <laughs> she bought them all. <laughs> And I was like, why? She's like, oh, because every year. Um, no, but she did give some to my parents, which is really nice. <laughs> uh, have you seen many other Pacific Islanders playing in the AFLW more recently? Or is it still um, um, pretty much just you? Uh, I'm starting to see some. I think, um, especially in the men's league, there's um, – uh, like Asava Radicalia from um, Geelong. Mm. Then you've got um, a couple of boys from um, Gold Coast. And then also, yeah, I, I think there's a fair bit because we did have a multicultural like summit with the AFL um, earlier this year. So got to meet some of them, but no, like Samoan. Mm. There's other, yeah, there's other multicultural um, athletes there. But, mm. Yeah. Have you got any um, more trips to Samoa planned in the future? Or uh, I hope so. I hope so. But I do have to um, fill a suitcase before I go. Of course. Um, <laughs> and then just know I'm not going to bring the suitcase back. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the things that you're packing in the suitcase? Well, uh, there's uh, clothes, yeah. a lot of clothes, shoes. Mm-hmm which I don't know why they need a lot of shoes. They like to wear bare feet. Um, <laughs> and it gets too hot for their feet. So. Um, and then, like, I don't know, a packet of chips, lollies, 
Uh, all the goodies. All, all the good stuff, you know, all the good stuff that you're not supposed to eat. Um, <laughs> nah, that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and just finally, Moa, do you have any uh, any tips or, or words of wisdom for young Pacific Islanders that are thinking of playing AFL? Uh, yeah, um, I, I wish someone told me this when I was younger, but um, for anything like that you want to do, really, really go for it. Like I know in the Pacific Islander, we get told to to look after our families, to provide for our families. But at the end of the day, um, you've got to think of, of a career that, that you're most passionate about. And, um, and, and I think with sport, uh, I'm really passionate about sport. So it's really just to, to work hard, to train hard. And, um, and also, if you're willing to sacrifice the lovely food that we have <laughs> so that you can perform at your best, I think, um, yeah, it goes a long way. So, yeah, I, I think it's always um, love what you do. And then, um, and then with that, it would come with um, other opportunities that, uh, yeah, that you never thought you had. So. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Mua Valmua Lalawifi, uh, Carlton Football Club defender and AFLW superstar, thank you so much for joining me on Fresh Off the Field. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Love it. That was Mua Lalawifi, one of the stars of the AFLW competition and the first Samoan player to be drafted. ABC Radio Australia. You're listening to Fresh Off the Field. Uniting the Pacific through the universal language of sports. Each week, my co-host will do some serious reporting and exclusive interviews. But before we get to that, we like to have a bit of fun. Coconut Wireless. Ah, the good old coconut wireless. It's where we discuss sports gossip in your country. Now, this is not fact. It cannot be backed up. But these are just rumours happening around sport in your country. Now, Indra, in Fiji, what is happening? What have you heard on the coconut wireless? Yeah, Bobby, I think the biggest one is uh, with the Rugby World Cup, just, uh, you know, starting in a couple of days' time. And as you know, Fiji has lost its uh, premier playmaker in uh, Caleb Mintz. What I'm hearing is that the replacements that are being eyed and they play the club rugby out in France, that the clubs are very hesitant to release them. And this is not new for Pacific rugby, where players have been held at ransom by their clubs. So that's something uh, that's trending and being talked about amongst the uh, sports rumour circle. Um, Apart from that, I also hear that a very prominent Fijian in the NRL could be contemplating following following semi run runners path and moving to Union in the next year or two. Oh, some good bits of uh, sports gossip on the Coconut Wireless in Fiji. Thank you, Indra. Uh, Cynthia, what have you heard on the Coconut Wireless in the Solomons? Yeah, so a lot of rumours lately was around Solomon Islands football sensation Rafael Leai coming back to the Solomon Islands just because he was homesick. Um, You know, Rafael has always been a big name for Solomon Islands football and a lot of football fans here were asking why he wants to leave this big chance behind and is is this the right decision for him? So recently the club that he played for in Europe released a statement clarifying the issue and now with his recent appearance for the semi-finals 2023 OFC men's Olympic qualifiers in Auckland was met with much excitement and optimism among fans. So I guess that puts back that smile on everyone's faces. Oh, yes, I bet they're very happy to hear that. That's wonderful news on the Coconut Wireless. Hopefully it is true. Uh, Did you have anything else on the Coconut Wireless, Cynthia? Yeah, so um, another one is... um, 
the role that the Solomon Islands um, 2023 17th Pacific Games mascot will be playing for the um, for the opening ceremony for the Pacific Games in November this year in Solomon Islands. So we heard that there's going to be an exciting performance that the that Solo the mascot will be putting out for um, not only Solomon Islanders but everyone that will be visiting the Solomon Islands during the games and everyone's coming in to participate and all that. I have to ask you, Cynthia, mascots here in Australia at sporting games, a lot of the time they are wearing big suits. They might be the mascot of a hawk, a bird, a kangaroo, but they're quite hot and heavy. What is the Pacific uh, Pacific Games mascot going to be wearing? So um, currently the um, uh, uniform or the costume that he puts on is um, blue uh, blue and um, yellow trousers. It's kind of like really baggy and all that, but um, the games... Um, the Games Authority is still uh, yet to confirm what he will be wearing for the opening ceremony. Oh, well, I look forward to seeing it, and hopefully the mascot isn't too hot. Uh, thanks so much for that insight, Indra and Cynthia. That was... Coconut Wireless. And it's time for the serious stuff. Indra, what has been happening in sport in Fiji? Yeah, um, I think I think there's a, there's a lot of hype on the Rugby World Cup. But apart from that, we have got, um, you know, a domestic rugby season that's continuing in Fiji. And uh, we've got the, uh, the, the teams continuing to play. We've also got uh, the Fijian teams preparing for the under-16 women's World Cup playoffs in Tahiti. And uh, for, that's for football. We've got the futsal uh, football team preparing for the World Cup playoffs in New Zealand later on. And, of course, all Team Fiji athletes are preparing for the Pacific Games, as you mentioned earlier on, to be held in the Solomon Islands. The other interesting aspect is that Fiji's biggest stadium, which is the National Stadium in Suva, has now ripped up all its tracks, the old tracks. So there will be new tracks put in in the next uh, couple of months, and that should really uh, do well, bode well for the athletes for next year. But the concern at the moment is that the uh, Fijian athletes preparing for Pacific Games do not have a decent track in the capital city to train on. So they've got to go to Lotoka where there's the second tracks. And also the um, aquatic center is still going through renovations. So the swimming pool, there's only one available for training, etc. Um, for, the, for, the, for the Fijian swimmers. So those are some of the big things that's happening at the moment uh, in the Fijian sports circles, Bobby. Now, you secured an exclusive interview leading into the Rugby World Cup that we can't stop talking about because it's happening and it's huge. Uh, who did you speak to this week? Yeah, um, you know, with the Rugby World Cup, our coach, our mentor, Simon Rewalui, who has uh, previously coached in Australia as well uh, in the last World Cup, was the head coach of the Flying Fijians. You know, he's put in a lot of effort and we managed to uh, speak to him. Uh, the Fijian team camped out in Fiji for a couple of weeks before they flew across to Europe. And uh, this is what he had to say. The Rugby World Cup just a couple of days away and the Flying Fijians um, will be playing Wales on Monday morning, Fiji time at 7am. That's about 5am Australian time. But, you know, one thing that this Flying Fijians team has done differently is that they spend time at a local village. They spend time on Fiji's second largest island, that's Vanuelevu, and a place called Tavuni, if you're aware of it. That's where... They spend time prior to flying out to the World Cup. Coach Simon Revolui um, explains as to why they did that in the build-up to the biggest tournament in the lives of almost all these players. 
Yeah, it's <clears throat> that was the whole idea. We wanted to uh, obviously reconnect with who we are and where, where we came from, where we started, um, where we started our rugby, why we played our rugby. So that was part of the journey coming over on the ferry, on the, on the bus, stopping at the respective villages. We were with Frank Lamani as well and saying thank you to the people that we, we, they grew up with. And it was, um, it's not just emotional for them, it's emotional for, for all of us. We see the, the next generation of future flying Fijians, Fijiana, there looking, looking at their heroes. He also uh, talks to us about how special it felt being part of the community as they built up to the World Cup and as they prepared amongst no fancy settings, but a very local, very, you know, old-fashioned way of preparation and how players didn't have luxury, etc., in sight, but yet the smiles of the people and how it inspired them. And every time we've stopped and every time we've trained and every time I look around and see our faces, it fills me with uh, enormous pride and uh, it gets emotional as well because I remember when I started, I had the senior players like Giovettiaki and those guys to follow and now it's on the next stage on and the players are passing on to their next one. So it's a huge, like I, like I said the other day, we, we can stay in a hotel, we can camp, we can prepare, but this I believe is what we need. Now the team is in Bordeaux in France and as I mentioned earlier on, getting ready to play in that World Cup opener. Mind you, Fiji has been rated as one of the favourites uh, to come out of its pool which features the uh, likes of Georgia, Australia, Wales, as we're playing against, and also Portugal. And how much bonding, or this bonding, has helped the players? Uh, and according to Simon Revelui, it has been one of the most fantastic things to have ever done, or to be ever done, to have been ever done, rather, for a Fijian rugby side. Yeah, and it's been a good opportunity. You see the, the conditions that the boys are staying in, they're well looked after, but they're together, they're, they're connecting, and it's uh, been a really good opportunity for us to come together as a group. And he feels that, you know, every time you go to the people, you mingle with the people, with your fans, it adds boost and it gives you that feeling and that support just a little bit more from your fans because they relate to the team a little bit better, and that is one of the reasons he feels this World Cup the fans will be cheering for the team differently. I want the people to come out and support us. And for me to ask them to come and support us as a team, we have to invest in, uh, in our people as well. And uh, I think we've invested. We will continue to do that. We will, our priority is to prepare and get ready for the World Cup and um, <clears throat> be, be those, all those things. But also we connecting with who we are and why we're doing it. Well, as I said, a couple more days before the Rugby World Cup gets underway, on Saturday morning, it's a New Zealand versus France, the hosts, but the Flying Fijians taking on Wales on Monday morning. Oh, Indra, I love that chat. How how are the people in the village on Vanuolevu, uh, Tavuni, seeing the Fijian, the Flying Fijians in their village before they go to the Rugby World Cup? Yeah, you know, when they were there, Bobby, uh, the villagers were, t- you know, they're mostly farmers. They go after their farms early in the morning and they do their farming, um, etc. But during the week that the Flying Fijians were there before flying off to the World Cup, the there was no work. Everyone had put their tools down. They just wanted to be part and parcel of the Flying Fijians and preparing. This is a team, you know, rugby is huge. Just like Rugby League in Papua New Guinea, that's how crazy rugby union fans are in Fiji.
Well, I love it. I loved uh, hearing Simon talking about, you know, we want the fans to come and support us. We need to go and support them. So uh, that was wonderful. Thanks for that exclusive, Indra. Uh, Cynthia, how are things shaping up in the Solomons with sport? Yes, Bobby, here in the Solomon Islands, exciting days ahead. It's now 73 days to go before the Pacific Games here in Honiara. There are a lot of excitement coming in, you know, from... Uh, pretty much everyone across the country because, you know, everyone's um, looking forward very much to meeting athletes and visitors, friends from around the Pacific Islands for the um, biggest event here in the Solomons. But not only competitions building up athletes for the Pacific Games, um, uh, preparations are underway, but also there are collaborative trainings underway now. Like one is the recent coach, referee and athlete workshops and trainings this week. It's hosted at the High Performance Centre at the Solomon Islands National Institute of Sport, and it's attended by around 20 participants. So I spoke with one of the experts. He's from the Asia-Pacific Rugby League, who is involved in this program. His name is Jeremy Edwards. He said they are here with the National Rugby League from Australia and also the Australian Defence Force to put on the course and, you know, bring in certain amount of expertise to train Solomon Islands coaches and referee and they are looking to leave a legacy by getting more coaches in the country after this training and coaching Solomon Islands referees so they can facilitate facilitate the games that will be played here in November. And also the games button for this year's Pacific game is still currently touring around the Solomon Islands. It's arrived so far, far east of the country in Solomon Islands in Timotu province where it is greeted with much enthusiasm. And during its time there, the game's button was embraced by the people of Graciosa Bay with a traditional dance called the Nelo Dance. So after touring around smaller islands of Temotu province, the game's button will be heading to the next province in Solomon Islands, which is Choizal province. So after the provincial tour for the game's button, it will come back to the capital where it will get ready for the opening ceremony in November. That's wonderful. Love to hear all the training and the upskilling that is happening before the Pacific Games that is happening in November as well. Uh, Now, there was also an historical handover. Can you tell me about that, Cynthia? Yeah, so this week saw the Solomon Islands people uh, coming in again to witness a very historical handover for the facilities for the Pacific Games. And it's one that everyone's truly appreciative of um, and... um, We're so thankful to the government and people of Australia for giving us this facility. It's the Yumi Sports Water Park that was handed over by the Australian government and the people of Australia to the people of Solomon Islands in this week. Yeah, so with the 17th Pacific Games 2023 that our country, Solomon Islands, will be hosting this coming November, 73 days before the official opening of the Games in November here in Honiara, there are a lot of lot of excitement coming in from um, people in the Solomon Islands, but most especially the athletes themselves in preparing themselves for their for their competitions that is happening during the games. But um, earlier this week, the Solomon Islands people have witnessed another historical event on the handing over of the 2023 Pacific Games Yumi Water Sports Park. It's actually one of the um, important facilities that will be used during the Games from the government and people of Australia to the government and people of Solomon Islands. The Solomon Islands Prime Minister, Onjabul Manase Sugavare, has really thanked and sends the country's sincere appreciation to the government 
and people of Australia through his speech at the event. Thank you very much for um, uh, joining me again for another historical event. And this time is to witness the handing over of the uh, 2023 uh, Pacific Games Yumi Water Sports Park from the government and people of Australia to the people and government of uh, Solomon Islands. And ladies and uh, gentlemen, this 6.3 million dollars Yumi Water Sports Park is part, as we heard, of the uh, 100 million dollars uh, con- uh, uh, contribution from the from the uh, Australian government to support. the uh, the Pacific Games and this venue ladies and gentlemen will host three three of the uh, 24 Pacific Games 2023 uh, sports namely the VA uh, the spirit uh, long uh, distance competition uh, the kayaking and uh, sailing uh, i think you know lasers and and what do you call them lasers and the windsurfing will be hosted in this uh, center we we are still uh, assessing of course whether open water swimming will also be hosted uh, uh, at this venue. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, the facility, as you can see, is a simple open design with a large uh, covered open space, four containers for storage, offices, large uh, uh, outside storage and uh, ablution blocks. And thank you very much, High uh, Commission, for, for recognizing the Solomon Islanders who are uh, Who, are, who build these uh, facilities? Uh, with regards to equipment, we have procured two aluminium boats and uh, outboard uh, motors. Over 40 vars, various types. They call them V1s and V6s. Uh, 14 uh, lasers, uh, 10 wind surfers, six large ocean-going canoes, safe gear, and uh, live jackets, and etc. And at this juncture, ladies and gentlemen, I extend my sincere appreciation to the government, uh, Australian government, for transporting, as we heard, <laughs> uh, you can't do it with Solomon Airlines, uh, uh, for transporting um, uh, some of the vast uh, uh, canoes into the country in the Australian Defence Force uh, uh, craft, and that's the only plane that can carry these things to this country. And thank you very much, uh, I, I Commissioner. <clears throat> we have commenced the. Um, Of course, the uh, preliminary work to to lay a, the, a 500 meter uh, six-lane uh, course for uh, for for paddling, and uh, we we are confident that the full uh, VAHA course will be ready for the games. Uh, we also have been um, uh, we have also been uh, conducting um, um, uh, ongoing water testing, and uh, that's very important to ensure uh, the water quality. Uh, is of acceptable uh, standard uh, to host the uh, the three uh, uh, competitions. Meanwhile, the Australian High Commissioner to the Solomon Islands, His Excellency Rod Hilton, in his remarks in the event, he also acknowledges the effort of other community clubs and people around Australia. But even more importantly than that, and anything I've I've said today is. I'm really pleased to acknowledge the efforts of other community clubs and people around Australia. Uh, who feel a connection to the Solomon Islands and feel a connection to the people and communities here. Those people and communities, when they heard, and this was with no government involvement, so I'm not I'm not saying this is Australian government. When they heard, for example, the the water sports park was being built and there was a need for for new uh, outrigger canoes and other equipment, on their own own back, clubs from across Australia. Heard that message and started to organise themselves to donate some outrigger canoes, not supported by the government themselves. 
And they are right across Australia. So can I acknowledge the, the Noosa Outrigger Club, the Polynesian Outrigger Club that's in Brisbane, the Hurricane Paddling Crew in Perth. So if ever you're wondering, do people in Australia outside of Brisbane uh, know about the Pacific Games? Absolutely. I don't think we could get a further away city than Perth uh, in Australia, and they are thinking front and centre about the Pacific Games. So thank you to the Hurricane Paddling Crew in Perth. To the Australian Outrigger Canoe Racing Association, we had a donation from Mr Frank Tofu as well, and storage uh, and transportation and logistics uh, support from Gary Luke, Sharon Cosby, uh, Steve Tomana. Thank you all. Of course, I should acknowledge the Australian Defence Force. Uh, I don't think we all realised how big an outrigger canoe was. Uh, our initial idea that we could just put it under under the belly of a sole airplane didn't come to fruition. Uh, so we're very lucky the ADF lent us one of their big planes uh, to fly them in. But they, of course, are here today uh, and looking forward to seeing them in action. So I think I will end there. So it's only left to say is Tagio uh, Tomas. God bless him. You fella everyone, God bless him, Solomon Islands, and God bless him, Pacific Games, low 2023. The Yumi Water Sports Park was officially handed on the 5th of September at the eastern end of Honiara DC Park. Wow, the Yumi Water Sports Park sounds unbelievable. I cannot wait to see how that turns out. So that will be hosting three of the events uh, during the Pacific Games later in November, the Va'a, kayaking and also windsurfing. Massive effort to get uh, all the bits and pieces over to put that together. So thank you very much for those sports reports. Indra and Cynthia hearing about all sports in both Fiji and the Solomons. Uh, now speaking of the Solomons, the countdown is on, of course, to the 2023 Pacific Games in the Solomons. It's all happening in November which is very close. It's not even three months away. Uh, This year also marks 60 years of the Games. And to celebrate, Pacific Beat is running a Pacific Games storytelling competition. So they're looking for people's Pacific Games stories. Now, listen, you don't have to have competed. You might just have a great story about how you volunteered or maybe you were part of an opening ceremony dance group. You might have met your best friend or your partner. The possibilities are endless. So, look, if you've got a story, they want to hear it. And the winning storytellers will be mentored by producers on Pacific Beat and their stories will be featured on ABC Radio Australia. Oh, I'm sure there are so many different stories out there. So if this is you, listen up. If you're a winner, you'll be paid for your story as well. So for more details on how to enter, head to abc.net.au forward slash Pacific to find out more. So if you've got a story from a previous Pacific Games, hit us up, tell us your story. We want to give you some money. We want to share your story. So get on to that. Now, there are loads of amazing community programs that are being run throughout the Pacific, uh, bringing communities together and shedding light on some social issues through sport. That's one of the great things about sport, that we can spread awareness for different social issues. Now, one of the programs is the Get Into Rugby Plus Samoa, which is run by Toluiva Kineti. Now, the program's aim is to reduce gender-based violence. Uh, It educates teachers and students about these issues and it helps them to identify if there are people within the community that might be impacted by gender-based violence. Uh, I spoke to Toluiva and asked her about the Get Into Plus Samoa program. It is funded by uh, our lead partners are the Oceania Rugby, um, the UN Women Child Fund, the Australian government, and with um, with Jake, so getting to Rugby Plus is 
a flagship sports for development program, yep. which is led by Oceania and uh, UN Women. And it's an intervention program targeting girls and boys aged um, 12 to 16 years old in Samoa with a distinction social development and and sports for uh, development objectives. So the program builds upon the World Rugby Getting to Rugby Development Program, which introduced some um, skills, um, rules, strategies of a rugby union in a safe uh, non-contact playing environment. Additional with the life skills components that are embedded with the Getting to Rugby curriculum to promote positive behaviour and uh, gender equality. So the work that you're doing uh, with this program, I know you're working with the Ministry of Women over there as well, and the aim is to train up the teachers in school. And and, and tell me about that work. What it, what are the teachers learning in this program? So with the with the coaches, it focuses on uh, develop uh, developing high skills coaches, male, so both um, male and female, um, equally skills in coaching rugby and facilitating life skills learning with young people. So through the extensive trainings, the coaches learn how to model behaviors, um, deliver rugby skills, development in a safe, equal and inclusive environment, and also how to focus on uh, human rights, um, challenge uh, gender stereotypes to prevent violence against women and girls. So that's through um, coaching. So we also um, look at with coaches um, like why it is powerful. So there has to be a trusted, well-connected uh, mentor or role model to the to the players. So that was Toluiva Kineti uh, doing some amazing work and addressing some really tough issues in the Samoan community through rugby. As we know, we, sport is a wonderful thing to play and be a part of, but it can also help shed some light on some really serious issues within the community as well. Uh, now we've spoken about Pacific, uh, we've spoken about sport in the Pacific, um, in Fiji and also the Solomons, but there's a lot going on around the entire Pacific as well. Uh, Indra, we've got the women's under 16, Oceania, Football Confederation Playoffs. It's always a mouthful for me. Uh, what's happening here? Yeah, Bobby, under 16 women's OFC women's playoffs. It gets underway next week in Tahiti, out of all the places. Some people have all the luck to be able to go to Tahiti, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, you get the likes of New Zealand, the Cook Islands, Samoa, uh, Fiji, of course, the host Tahiti, Vanuatu taking part in this one. The winner of this qualifies for the under 17 women's World Cup. Um, that is going to be held next year. So, yeah, interesting times ahead for the young footballers, uh, young female footballers from the Pacific and Oceania region taking part in that one in Tahiti. And speaking of OFC, uh, we've also got the 2023 OFC Futsal Nations Cup, which is happening in Auckland. What's happening there, Cynthia? Yes, the 2023 OFC Futsal Nations Cup will be the 14th edition of the OFC Futsal Nations Cup. Well, it was previously called the OFC Futsal Championship, but now they have changed its name to the 2023 OFC Futsal Nations Cup. And it's the um, International Futsal, Futsal Championship organized by the Oceania Football Federation, OFC for the men's national teams of Oceania. It will be held in New Zealand from 1st to 7th October this year. And um, New Zealand were currently the defending champions after, dis- after defeating Solomon Islands back in 2022. Final. The winner will qualify as the OFC representative at the 2024 FIFA Futsal World Cup in Uzbekistan. And for this year's tournament, 
for this year's Futsal Nations Cup, eight of the 11 FIFA-affiliated national teams from OFC will enter the tournament. That is New Zealand, Fiji, New Caledonia, Samoa, Solomon Islands and Tahiti. So the two other, um, Tahiti, Tonga and Vanuatu. And um, the three other countries that were not able to enter into this year's OFC Futsal Nations Cup is American Samoa, Cook Islands and Papua New Guinea. So um, that is some of the um, stories from around the um, Pacific. Yeah, football is huge around the Pacific and coming off the success of the FIFA Women's World Cup that we recently had in Australia and uh, New Zealand, it's great to see there's still so many different football competitions happening around the world uh, and the Pacific nations are getting involved, which is awesome. Uh, NRL finals kick off this weekend in Australia. So the Broncos finished second on the ladder and they will play a qualifying final against Melbourne Storm, who finished third. That's happening tomorrow night. Uh, the last time the Broncos played finals was back in 2019. Uh, I'm sure they try not to think about it. They got absolutely thrashed by the Eels, 58-8. Oh, the following year for the Broncos wasn't that good. They were wooden spooners, which was their lowest point uh, in the club's history. So can they shake the nightmare of the 2019 final series? Uh, look, I think we'll find out more tomorrow night at that game. Uh, they'll try to block it out and they'll try to redeem themselves. And who knows, come through with the goods. But it is only the first week of finals. Uh, we've got four games happening this weekend. Uh, the Panthers take on the Warriors in the second qualifying final. That's happening on Saturday. The Sharks and the Roosters will play in an elimination final on Saturday night. And then the final run for the finals round, it is the Knights versus Raiders. Uh, they'll play on Sunday afternoon in the other elimination final. So the good news for the Broncos, at least they have a second chance, uh, but they will certainly try to redeem themselves uh, from what they have done in the past in 2019. Uh, we've got a, a bit of cricket happening in Vanuatu, Indra. Yeah, most definitely is the... Uh Women's, uh, women's, women's sports are on the rise this year, isn't it? Uh, for the past mm. couple of years, we've seen women's sports really take off in the Pacific region. So the 2023 ICC Women's T20 World Cup East Asia Pacific Qualifier, now that's a mouthful, is <laughs> happening in Vanuatu as we speak. And uh, they're heading into a couple of games uh, later today where um, they will receive Vanuatu, the host play Samoa and Cook Islands taking on Fiji. Vanuatu, Indonesia, Cook Islands, Samoa, Indonesia, PNG. Those are the games left. And so far, um, looks like Papua New Guinea, as usual, dominating. Indonesia is up there amongst the mix as well. And the winner from this qualifies uh, for the T20 Women's World Cup. So interesting times up ahead for the Pacific teams. Yeah, and Papua New Guinea, they are always strong oh, in most sports, but I know they're definitely strong in uh, in cricket as well. So all the best to the teams that are playing in that in Vanuatu. Uh, Cynthia, we've got some more OFC news, the men's Olympic qualifier. Yeah, so with the under-23 men's football OFC Olympic qualifiers underway in New Zealand, the host New Zealand won their game against Vanuatu 8 goals to nil in the first semi-final match yesterday. Meanwhile, Solomon Islands bowed out to Fiji in last night's second semi-finals uh, final match. Solomon Islands had a lot of chances that they needed, but the results turned out different. But even though Solomon Islands lost the semi-finals 3-0 to Fiji, a lot of football fans here are eager to know which country will be qualifying for the Olympic Games. So... A lot of fans here in the Solomon Islands are eagerly looking forward for the grand final match this weekend that will be between Fiji and New Zealand. 
Thank you very much for that, Indra and Cynthia. Uh, We've got lots of sports news happening around the Pacific at the moment, so it's good to get uh, a bit of an overview on all of that. So thank you very much. All right, well... You've been listening to my co-hosts and I for a while now. It's time to get to know them a little bit more. It's time for our next segment. Gyaman Stapwe is tok pissin for pick the lie. I'll ask each of you to tell me two true things about yourself and one lie, and the rest of us will have to guess which of the three is the lie. Uh, Cynthia, we'll start with you. Tell me three things about yourself. They can be facts or a story. Uh, and then Indra and I will have to guess which one the lie is. Okay, so three things, um, three things about myself. My favourite colour is pink. I was born in the year 1994 and my birthday is on the 9th of September. I love music. All right, so your favourite colour is pink. You were born in 1994. And what was that last one, sorry? So uh, I was born in the year 1994 and my birthday is on 9th September. Is actually one. Um, and the final one is I love music. And you love music. All right. Uh, Indra, I'm going to throw to you. So which of those three is a lie? Her favourite colour is pink. She was born the 9th of September 1994. L3, she loves music. Yeah, I'm going for I'm going to stick my head up and say the first one. Favourite colour is pink. You don't believe it? it is pink. You know what, Indra? No. I agree. I don't think your favourite colour is pink either. Uh, Cynthia, what is the lie? Both of you guessed it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got it. What is your favourite colour? I'm going to say red. Uh, my favourite colour is actually yellow. Yellow. All right. Well, yeah. well done, Indra and I. We've got that right. Uh, Indra, it is your turn now. You've got three things to tell us about yourself. can be a fact or a story. We are going to see if we can pick the lie. Off you go, Indra. Yeah, I'm born in 1980. That's the first one. The second one is I've been in sports journalism for 25 years. And the third one is that I have played at Age Group World Cup. Ooh, they're good ones here. So an Age Group World Cup. Um, All right, so these are the three that you've said. You were born in 1980. You've been a sports journalist for 25 years and you have played in an Aged World Cup. Um, I'm going to go to you, Cynthia. Which of those do you think is a lie? Born in 1980, sports journalist, 25 years, or has he actually competed and played in an aged World Cup? I'm going to have to go for the first one. The first one, born in 1980. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you think, uh, when do you think he was born, if you think that's a lie? Um... I would say around 1978 or something like that. Oh, so a little bit older, she's saying there. Uh, and I look, I, I know that you have, I, I believe you have been around sports journalism for 25 years. I'm going to say that you haven't played in an aged World Cup. What is the lie, Indra? Oh, you got me there. So <laughs> you win. You get two right today. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so that is an Age World Cup. You haven't played in one. I'm sure you've been around many, though, as a sports journalist. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still a bit younger than what Cynthia thinks, but, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I did put I did put Cynthia out there to drive by asking her to say your age. So I apologise, Cynthia. Uh, I've got two right. Well done to me. Uh, now it's my turn. Uh, these are a little bit longer. See how we go. So my first thing about me, when I lived in Fiji... I was in hospital for my first week after catching a virus. 
Second, when I lived in Samoa, I found out that I was allergic to ibuprofen and anti-inflammatory, and I had an anaphylaxis reaction being hospitalised overnight. And three, my family lived in Abayang in Kiribati for three months when I was younger. During that time, I was stung by a stingray and nearly died at the age of seven. So these are all medical things. Am I the unluckiest person in the world? You tell me. Cynthia, what is the lie? I'll give you a quick recap. Fiji, I caught a virus, was in hospital for a week. Samoa, I had an anaphylaxis reaction, had to go to hospital. Or three... I was bitten by a stingray and nearly died at the age of seven. What's the lie? I think for me the third one would be the lie. The third one. So you don't think I got bitten by a stingray at age seven. Okay, Indra, how about you? Uh, Hospitalised in Fiji my first week, uh, ibuprofen anaphylaxis in Samoa or nearly died in Kiribati by being stung by a stingray when I was seven? Yeah, I just... I don't know. I'm going to go with the first one. It's a lie. The first one. So you don't think that I was in hospital in Fiji? Okay, I was in hospital in Fiji for my first week. I caught a virus. It was horrible. Uh, In Samoa, I was actually allergic to ibuprofen. So, Cynthia, congratulations. You got that right. I did not get stung by a stingray and I did not nearly die at the age of seven. I did live in Kiribati, in Abayang, for three months, uh, but I didn't. So, well done, uh, Indra. Thank you, Cynthia. That was a little bit of fun. Appreciate all of that. Uh, that does bring us to the end of the show for this week. Uh, a big thank you to my co-host, Indra Singh, News Director for the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation. Indra, thank you. Thank you very much, Bobby. And Breakfast Radio host and reporter for the Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation, Cynthia Sader. Thank you, Cynthia. Thanks for having me on the show, Bobby. Thanks for listening to Fresh Off the Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'll be back next week with two new co-hosts from across the Pacific talking all things sport in our region. This episode was produced on the lands of the Ghana people and the Gadigal people. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.